Drunk Dietitians is co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. These dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Their mission is for all humans to believe that they were made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. They are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although these ladies are medical professionals, they are human too. They are not afraid to share their deepest, darkest secrets and how years of their lives were taken by diet culture. They started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join Sammy and Jenna for a casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Drunk Dietitians. We're super excited today. We had such a unique conversation, um, uncharted territories for us, for sure. Um, and we have Miss Carla Walsh on today, who is an incredibly amazing, beautiful woman who is a journalist and a writer and a sommelier and so many other things that I don't want to give it all away. But I know Carla personally because she has given me so many press pages to comment on. Um, and we've gotten to know each other across or uh, through the past couple of years. Why am I stumbling on my words today? Anyways, Carla has a story, a personal story um, with an eating disorder, anorexia, that she shared with us today. She shared her personal story um, and her story of recovery as well. So with that, I know we just want to give you a little bit of background about what this episode was about uh, before you continue listening. Yeah. And just, I think setting a foundation for anybody listening that if you think that you're currently struggling with an eating disorder or um, you have a friend that might be struggling, I mean, this is a great podcast from like an informational educational purpose. Um, but as Jenna said, this is her personal story. There were some words that were used with specific weights and calories and, um, just words that may be triggering if you have an eating disorder or have gone through eating disorder. So it's just something we want to bring caution to. Um, but generally speaking, this podcast I think is going to help so many people. We talked a lot about vulnerability and courage of sharing, um, you know, your own story can help so many people. So I think generally speaking, this podcast is going to be so helpful and we are so thankful for having someone like Carla on to be able to shed light on this. Um, but just giving you guys caution to know, um, that there may be some words that may be triggering. Yeah, that was perfectly said. And Carla, you are amazing. We love you and we so appreciate you sharing, like yeah. Sam said, your vulnerability with everybody today and can't wait for everyone to listen. So without further ado, here we go. All right, everybody. I am so excited for this intro right now. We have Miss Carla Ooh. Walsh with us today. Who Carla? <laughs> yes, cheers. Cheers. We need some ASMR <laughs> sounds on here. <laughs> but I literally, so Carla, I feel like we've been an air quoting working together for like four-ish years now, virtually. Um, as and when I say that is Carla is if you go to the press page on my blog, every article I've ever been quoted in is because of Carla. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> she is the most incredible writer. She gets the best stories. Um, and she's been so kind to include me in so many amazing ones where it's like the first 
time I ever saw my name in a print, like on a blog was because of you. So cheers to that because it means so much to me. Cheers. I'm so grateful for that. But for those of you that don't know Carla, she is a journalist, a freelance writer for some incredible publications like Prevention Magazine, Fitness Magazine, Runner's World, Shape.com, Women's Health, Eat This, Not That. Um, there's so many others that I could just keep listing, but she's also a level one sommelier, which I'd love to hear more about. <laughs> she's a cycle bar instructor, and she's also one of the coolest women I've ever met. I actually had the opportunity to meet her and get a pedicure, and my God, how badly would you like to get a pedicure right now? <laughs> um, uh, recently in New York when she was coming to visit, and you're based out of Iowa, but I don't want to take away all of your words. So we can't wait to have everybody meet you more today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Yes, Jenna, we go back to your happy, slim, healthy days. I know. So, I <laughs> so sorry. Stories now. Yes, and for anybody listening that didn't know, Jenna, do you want to explain the name change when people oh, hear that? Wait, so the, I don't think we ever talked about like the story of that. So Happy Slim Healthy, I think I mentioned in episode one, was like my brand when I first created it of like my blog of how to get shredded for my wedding, right? It was Happy Slim Healthy Bride. Then I dropped Bride once I became a wife. And um, I just continued to blog under that name. And it for a little while definitely fit who I was and then it really didn't and I was with Sam in her uh, house in Florida and we were drinking <laughs> and she was like so today you're gonna change your Instagram name and I was like wait what and she's like we're gonna do it we're gonna figure it out whatever like this shit's gotta go and I've been obviously so grateful for that ever since because it makes so much more sense but her husband was like guys can't you just like think about this before you make like drastic decisions and we're like no no <laughs> and I spent about six months rebranding everything <laughs> that and it's been like the best change ever but this episode's not about me it is about Carla and I met Carla when I was slim and disordered <laughs> happy, slim, healthy, and disordered. Um, and she has been with me ever since. And I'm so excited. They're so Sam's the friend we all need. Like, we all need that friend that's just like, just do it. Believe me, I have many friends on my end that were doing that same thing to me through my disordered years. So I think we all need that like little push with the diet culture that we live in for sure. Yeah. And like um, I said, it's kind of like a long process, right? Like you had your ups and downs even after you started on your path to recovery. And mm -hmm. <laughs> many of us kind of resonate with that. It's, you can't just like flip a switch and be like, oh, I'm better. I'm, I'm good now. Right. I, w I wish it were that easy. Right. So before we get into your um, story, Carla, because you have some amazing pieces we definitely want to talk about, um, we like to start with just like a little um, rapid fire just to kind of get you to know you a little bit better. Love it. Um, all right. So wine or beer? Wine, 100%. What's your, what's your favorite kind of wine? Cab Franc. Cabernet Franc. Okay. It's one of the base grapes that's blended into Cabernet Sauvignon and it's earthy and um, like kind of medium bodied in the perfect food wine and kind of like a okay. redheaded stepchild. Like She's not definitely a sommelier. <laughs> yes, I was going to say. Really legit bottles under $30. So We're, we're going to need to link those in the show notes probably <laughs> as well. Um, tequila or vodka? Ooh, tequila is mean to me, but I don't really like vodka. Can I say whiskey? 
Yeah, of course. <laughs> Change it up. Of course. Um, coffee or tea? <laughs> uh, tea. Tea. Okay. What's your favorite kind of tea? We, most people say coffee. So now I'm intrigued. Ooh, um, there's this local coffee shop that I had to buy in bulk from before they were shut down. Uh, Saigon Tea is this kind of like twist on chai that they sell. It's like cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, allspice, kind of like warm and cozy flavors, lemongrass. Yes. Oh, so good. And you're, but you're locked and loaded and you have it in your apartment. So you're good. Yep. Solid. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. Quarantine kit. Perfect. Quarantine um, kit. <laughs> do you enjoy crunchy or smooth peanut butter? I think it depends on the vehicle that you're enjoying it with. Like if you're doing it by the spoon or in a sandwich, but on the whole, I would say more crunchy. Okay. That's team Jenna. I'm team smooth, but so we always, that's like a big one for us. That's our debate. Yes. Um, snow or sand? Oh, sand. I don't like being cold. Neither. What's, what's your weather like in Iowa? It's very much like New York. So okay. get kind of both. Um, okay. I enjoy snow like pre-Christmas. And then after that, it's like, nope, over it. Let's do spring. Yeah. Let's get <laughs> out of There's sun this. today at least, right? <laughs> like that helps. We're That's getting true. rain here today, but um, tomorrow is supposed to be 80 degrees and sunny. So I'm into it. Okay, you're not like New York then, because we're like 55 right now. <laughs> but I'm not gonna tell you. I'm not gonna tell you about my walk I just went on before we started this call. That was very sunny. Let's get to the tank top, everybody, right now. Yes, I know. Like so I'm, jealous. I'm in a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one here: if you could have anything in the world in limitless quantities, but it's not money, what would it be and why? That's so hard because I think it would lose its luster if you had it in an unlimited amount. So I don't know if I would want anything all the time, but maybe like uh, travel miles so I could just hop around the world and go anywhere and take yeah. people with me. And I've never flown like not regular class. So that would be kind of a fun experience. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yes. And just, I think traveling in general right now would be fantastic. <laughs> no, I know I'm supposed to be in Arizona right now. So mm -hmm. it's, it's just such a treat to experience a different place. Yeah. Something to look forward to. We'll get there. <laughs> but we will we'll get and there. For those listening, we are recording right now in early April. I'm not sure exactly when this will be released, but right now we are in like over here, it's about week three of shelter in place, um, which we were just kind of talking about before. Um, just for a little reference there, why we're talking about wanting to travel so bad. <laughs> and get pedicures. And right, exactly. All those little things that we maybe took for granted like a little bit. Um, <laughs> grateful, right? Like there's actually so much good coming from this. Mm -hmm. It's really true. Um, but I want to jump like right in. I'm super excited for this, mm -hmm. this interview today. And I have, and I'm same as Jenna, like I might be pull, I might be looking, even though people are listening, I might be looking over here cause I'm kind of looking at your articles, but the one specifically that I think is going to be so powerful to share and really just share your story. It doesn't have to be this article, but this article you wrote for shape said how reviewing restaurants for a living has improved my health my relationship with food and my, my body. Um, and one of the opening lines is that's right. I'm a food writer who has overcome anorexia. So if you could just like, kind of share, your, I know it's like, just share, it doesn't even have to be about this article, but just your story and how you've gotten to where you are today. Um, and anything you feel comfortable with, of course. Well, I feel com I'm an open book. 
She's the best. <laughs> and your smile is everything. Like it, I hope people hear your smile like while they're listening to this because it's just so comforting. So go ahead. <laughs> so sweet. It's an honor to be here. Uh, so my story kind of starts when I was in my sophomore year in high school. I was like the overweight kid in junior high, like not severely obese, but like pudgy, right? Like kind of like the chubby kid. And like you guys had mentioned, I had like a Nazi nickname. They called me Big Tit Carla in junior high. Oh my God. Um, I was like endowed and kind of just like overweight. I was like a size 12, you know? And I was kind of like right on that cusp of needing to get plus size clothes and just lacking confidence not physically active. I was eating, you know, chicken nuggets and French fries for dinner every night, like not a foodie, um, not, not healthy, but not dangerously unhealthy, you know, kind of in that middle road that a lot of Americans are, um, just like convenience, comfort, stuff like that. Um, so I got to my sophomore year in high school and decided to go on a get fit mission because like to prove everybody wrong. And because it, like, I wanted to go on a date like I never had somebody ask me out before and felt like I was unlovable because I was bigger. And so uh, the first day of my sophomore year, I started out on this get fit mission. It was like, I'm just going to go to the gym for 30 minutes every day after school. And like just started with working out, moving my body, right? I would get on the elliptical, I'd jog laps until I needed to walk, whatever. Um, and then I started seeing results, you know, like I'm burning more calories. And so I lost a little bit of weight and I was like, oh, well, maybe if I start eating healthier, like I'll be able to work out better and lose weight even more. And so instead of chicken nuggets and French fries, I switched to like a grilled chicken sandwich and a baked potato for dinner, you know, just like small swaps, like you guys might recommend to somebody who's starting a new program. Um, and I started doing like a bunch more research about like, losing weight and doing it well. And I, when I set my mind to doing something, I like to do it very, very well. I'm like a total type A. I'm like, if I can do something the best, I will strive for that. And I got really, really good at losing weight. So, you know, each day I'd eat a little bit less and work out a little bit more. And it just became this vicious cycle that by the end of that year, I had started at 180 pounds and I'm five, six. And, um, was working out probably at least two hours a day, eating very, very little, like less than a thousand calories. And I was like 94 pounds by the time I entered my junior year, which was uh, like skeletal. Um, my parents had taken me to dietitians. I'd lie about what I was eating. Uh, they take me to my doctor because um, things weren't working right. Like Jenna said in episode one, if you guys missed that, <laughs> yeah. I lost my period for 16 years, like not even, not even normal at all. And was like, oh, well, that's kind of nice, actually convenient. So like, it's fine. <laughs> um, and I went to a psychologist and like, nobody could really get me to stop losing weight. And so I, I eventually got to the point where my parents were like, we're literally going to need to put you in an inpatient facility. If you lose any more weight, you're going to give yourself a heart attack. Like they had tried putting me on bed rest at home and like anything. Um, and at this point I was a totally different person mentally and emotionally. Like I was nasty, never smiled, was hiding under blankets cause I was so cold, like just trying to make it through the day. Um, and get to my pillow at the end of the day. And so then I could wake up and do it again and eat less. Like this weird, like 
thing that like when I look back, it's like, what was I doing? But at the time, it just seemed like the right thing to do. Like there was a voice telling me that this was um, what it meant to be successful or something along those lines. So anyways, um, when my dad sat me down and like started crying, that was when I knew this was serious. Cause like my dad is like a rock, you know? And so, so it was like a two steps forward, one step back thing, you know, like I started doing the homework that my psychologist gave me. Um, and I'd make some progress and then I'd backslide a little bit and then I get a little bit further. And so eventually I got to like, uh, a pretty healthy weight. Um, but some of my like patterns and habits were still pretty unhealthy. And, um, I was too focused on fitness still, you know, like I'd, I slowly inch my way back into working out again once I got back to a fairly healthy weight. And um, in college, I ended up studying kinesiology and magazine journalism because I was like, I really want to work at fitness magazine, you know, like I researched the hell out of this when I was losing weight. So like this comes naturally to me <laughs> and I want to help people get fit in a way that's good for them and kind of like preaching the gospel, kind of very similar to Jenna's like, don't do this. <laughs> but I'm going to do it, right? <laughs> like preach what people should be doing and like finding joy through movement and stuff. Because like I have many family members who have just like, they work out every day, but they have never once found joy in moving their bodies. And I'm like, that's not fair. You know, like you should be able to find something that you like to do and look forward to doing. Uh, so anyways, I went through school. I eventually got that job at fitness and moved out to New York. And um, that was kind of like in my medium phase, you know, like I was, I was at a healthy body size, um, what society deems as healthy, mm -hmm. but my brain wasn't in a very good space still. And I was pretty shy and, um, just not confident in myself as a human and still not eating enough to fuel. And so eventually We'll, we'll jump ahead a little while. I moved back to Des Moines or moved back to Iowa. I'm from a different part of Iowa and started working in magazines here because Meredith Corporation, which owns a big bulk of the magazines in the US has its headquarters here in Des Moines. Um, so I moved back and started working in different industries from like social media to eventually food websites because I found um, a new joy in food thanks to an accident that I had when I moved back here and just it just became a hobby and then I was like oh wait holy smokes this is how you like food <laughs> in a healthy way and here's how it can actually fuel your workouts and your body and oh my god I was under eating still for a whole decade after that I, I thought it was okay and so it just kind of became this like beautiful lesson that like um, there actually can be balance and that your body knows how to process it when you treat it well and feel it enough. Um, so now I am full-time freelance after my last full-time role at Meredith was a food editor at Better Homes and Gardens. Um, so a lot of the videos that you see on Facebook and stuff of people making the hands and pans recipes, I helped with those and wrote a lot of like food trend stories. Um, so I went full-time freelance at the start of 2019 and have been freelancing for a couple dozen different magazines since then and doing behind the scenes nerdy stuff like search engine optimization and uh, marketing for a few local brands here in Des Moines. So it's a, a super fun mix. and. I get to 
wear leggings and take yoga breaks whenever my boss says it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I've gotten to meet people like Jenna and Sam. So it's wonderful. It's so amazing. I mean, your story has so many twists and turns. And I think it's such an amazing, just like story of recovery. Um, It's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Thank, like, just like Jenna said, thank you for sharing. I want to back up though, because I know we know because we talked to you before we came on, but <laughs> can you expand a little bit when you said there was like an accident that made you love food again? Like what happened and how you were kind of forced to sit still and yeah. how you saw that shift? Yeah. So after I, um, introduced myself back into a more active lifestyle. I was doing things like sprint triathlons and half marathons. And I had eventually worked up to training for a marathon fundraiser for charity. And I was walking home from my desk job and my apartment was like a mile away. So when it was nice out, I'd walk back and forth and just listen to music and had my headphones on, was like bopping down the street and somebody didn't see me in the crosswalk when it was like, you know, one of those awkward situations where it's like yield to pedestrians, but they have the green too. So anyways, uh, he turned the corner and like ran over my foot. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So I like fell backwards and, um, cracked my elbow on the cement and like broke four bones in my foot because the tire tire of this SUV ran over it. And, um, it was a really interesting moment because I stood up and, was like, no, I'm fine. I'm going to keep walking home. And then all of a sudden, like, my foot wouldn't stop shaking. And I was, like, kind of going into shock. So I was like, could I get a ride? (laughs) Okay. So anyways, they did some x-rays, and I would broken all of those things. Oh, my God. This is not funny, but (laughs) the way that you're like, I got this after Mm -hmm. I got ran over by a car. (laughs) It could have been way worse, you know? Like, I could have been actually hit. It was just like he ran over my foot. It was a very, very lucky call. Um, So I needed to find other hobbies because literally what I would do is I'd work, I'd come home, I'd run, I'd make dinner, I'd go go to bed, do it again, you know? And so I needed to find some ways to keep my brain busy and like start doing other things, like get a life basically. And (laughs) so I started going to local restaurants and local events. And that was where I really found the peace and magic and joy that you can find in food. Like I learned more about it and I learned the kind of flavors that you can coax from it from real ingredients, you know, and I started eating more and I started getting excited about food for the first time in a really long time and adding more variety to my diet and, um, eventually kind of fused that love of writing with a passion for the local food scene by, um, tossing my hat in the ring to be the restaurant reviewer for the Des Moines Register, our local newspaper. And the really fascinating thing that I learned and kind of reported about in that shape piece was that that year, you can't make special orders, right? Like anybody who's had an eating disorder is totally that girl who's like, you know, no butter, please, dressing on the side, all of those things. And you can't do that when when you're reviewing their creations, right? Like you have to eat them as is, otherwise that's not fair. (laughs) I started eating, you know, like things cooked in oil and butter and fried food and all of the things, the way they were prepared. And 
it was a, a, eating out a lot, you know, it was like five times a week at least, if not more, often more. And um, that year I went back to get my physical and I had lost inches off my waist circumference. My body fat like went down. My weight stayed exactly the same. It was just kind of interesting that my biomarker showed that I was like basically a healthier human by eating out all the time, which is like not the, the message that we often get. And so it was just showing kind of how severely I was limiting my intake before. And it was just like a, holy smokes, I've been wasting all of my life, not actually enjoying it. I need to get out there and make up for lost time. Your lab values even changed. Like I'm reading this article too, your cholesterol went down. Like yeah. they're major things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's no joke about the impact of nutrition and the, the power that it has on the way your body performs. I think what I hear just as like a similar thread to really, I mean, I guess it just shows you how similar it is in like the term of recovery or just understanding a level of maybe disorder is the right word, but a lot of what you're saying, Carla, is so similar to what I have felt or shared too, that like when you're in a routine and to you, it's just your routine, right? And nothing can break that. You don't see the world happening around you, right? And like- I lost so much because of that, you know? Like I damaged so many friendships and family relationships and things that I'm still trying to heal um, because I- can relate to that. that, (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's so crazy. And I mean, I think it's just a very- common thread throughout whatever story or whatever um, addiction, let's call it, you have, um, that's like a big piece. And that comes down to time. And I always talk to clients now about how like time is something we can never get back, right? Like time, it's not something we can ever get more of. We have the same amount every day. It's just this thing that like we have to understand and like use to our advantage. And that your story is so powerful and just really shows that in such a different way. Yeah. And what a gift that we have that time, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the car accident was a really good reminder of that, but really anything that we're going through and this moment in particular is like a really good reminder of, okay, so we have a lot of time and <laughs> what a gift. You know? like, that's actually like such a blessing that we have so much time to, okay, so what feeds your soul? Like there's no wrong answer to what you want to do with your time right now, this extra time that you have. Take advantage of it. Like do whatever you need. There's no no right or wrong. Color in a coloring book, go for a run, be a potato for a day. Whatever you need to do with, with that time, it's yours. Like how cool is that? I agree. Now, what I would love to know though is like when you started going into this, like trend back into eating, let's say, or trying these foods. And, you know, I can imagine at first, like it was really hard for you. How, how did you approach that? Yeah. Transition was was the word I was looking for. (laughs) Not easy. Um, It often took a lot of like hard emotional moments of, because I had so many off limits foods when I was really sick and it was mainly the stuff that I ate before that I thought, you know, made me get fat. And like, there's no food that's going to 
scientifically, there's not a food that makes you fat. It's just like eating the proper portions of things and balancing out your overall patterns, right? So uh, I stopped eating fried foods and anything that I deemed to be off limits, you know? And so when I started adding those back in, it was very emotional because like, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking, but for some reason it was just like a really hard barrier to cross. You know, I'd set up this very black and white territory. And once I learned that everything is shades of gray, not just food, um, you're never going to find a perfect home or a perfect job or a perfect partner, right? Like there's going to be some things that you need to live with and some things that you like absolutely adore and can't live without. Um, but there's no perfect food either. Like if you eat too many blueberries, that's not a good thing either. It's like too much of a good thing is not a good thing. And so once I realized that there's, there's no right or wrong in terms of how you're feeding your body, it's just kind of like listening to what feels good at that time. And also listening to your body after you eat it and how, how that feels. Um, you just kind of tune in a little bit more and get into that more intuitive space. That was going to be one of my questions. And it sounds like you kind of brought the conversation there naturally, but had you ever heard like being a writer for shape and for women's health and some of these major publications with like, had you ever heard of intuitive eating while going through this or, um, like, did you ever have formal training in it or did you just kind of find you kind of became an intuitive eater without even realizing it? Yeah, I think I kind of more fell into it back. Like I started at fitness. It was like pre Twitter. It was like, 10 <laughs> years it was like the dark ages. So this was like right when mindful eating was getting its start. And I remember when we were just writing about that and it was like the start of a uh, flexitarian diet. Like that was the era that we were in. So we didn't really talk much about intuitive eating. It was more just like being a mindful human yeah. and just getting started on, on that track. Um, so I, I don't think it was like a formal introduction into it, but it just like, I was reporting on different weight loss plans, diets, workout plans all the time. And you just naturally, you know, kind of like pick up what fits. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like ever writing anything specifically for any of those publications? Did it ever take you like a few steps back if there was like a diet or something that felt like, cause that's diet culture, right? If, if there's like, Hey, this is low hanging fruit. Like you could try this or was it more so reviewing them in a sense of like, this doesn't work or like these are the 10 worst diets to be on or uh, something like that. Yeah, it's usually more the latter. <laughs> that's um, great. That's wonderful. That's what I wanted to hear. Especially keto, like really not into it. Really? That's the nice thing about being a freelancer is if somebody assigns me a story about like the TK benefits of keto diet, you just be like, oh, I'm really sorry. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm busy today. <laughs> so forever. It's like when somebody asks you out on a date and you don't want to go. <laughs> Swipe. Unavailable. Um, there's, there's many diets that now it's, it's often like, here are some good things that you can take from this, right? Like I did a piece about the Dubro diet. Which I, I commented on that one. <laughs> New York and her husband developed, right? And like, there are some good foods that they recommend incorporating into your diet, but I don't think that intermittent fasting works for everyone and right. that's okay. Um, 
I think that was where my comments, like they, they mentioned some really good behaviors that like drinking water, moving your body and eating. Yeah. You can do those without being on a diet. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And not having such severe limits because I feel like when you don't have rules, you, you naturally fall into patterns that make more sense and nothing feels off limits. Right. So like if I don't do the whole 30, then on day 31, I don't feel like I need to eat four pints of ice cream, right? Because I knew that I could have some of that ice cream any day I wanted. Yes. Uh, Balances it out a little bit more so that it's not quite this like peaks and valleys kind of roller coaster. I feel like this is like a perfect time on this podcast and for you to do your bow and arrow reference because we haven't shared that on this platform and it's so beautiful. And I think it's like the perfect segue into it. Oh my gosh. I have to jog my memory. (laughs) So I feel, well, I was definitely thinking that. And I think some people that are listening, you know, everybody that's listening is at a different stage in their journey. Maybe they're really, you know, in the pits of diet culture right now, or maybe they've overcome dieting. But, um, as you were saying, Carla, like when we're allowed to have something, we generally aren't going to eat ourselves into that unpleasant, like uncomfortable feeling. But if we have that restriction placed on it, like your perfect example of whole 30, on day 31, are we going to eat an entire pint of ice cream or a pizza? So we kind of, I use like a bow and arrow to describe that as restriction is the number one indicator of binging. And we know this through research. So we like pick up that bow and arrow, we cock it back and we restrict, restrict, restrict and pull that bow as far back as possible or that arrow. And then we hit a breaking point where something happens and we let go and we eat far more in a sitting than we probably want to, or that feels good. But there also is, it's tricky with intuitive eating and with people coming out of diet culture is we call it like the celebratory binge stage. And for some people, this last days, weeks, some people it's months where if they've been restricted for years of their life, telling someone you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want is actually very dangerous. Um, and that's where with intuitive eating, there's, you know, a lot of evidence behind it. So walking through, that's why it's so impressive with your story, how you kind of walked yourself through that and were exposing yourself to foods and kind of forced into it with the the job. But with our clients, we work through like one food rule at a time instead of, okay, now we can bring everything into the house and in these large quantities. Cause like you said, that can feel really scary. Yeah. Or so, maybe a meal at a time, right? Yeah. Maybe you stick with your, your typical breakfast. You do yeah. your, your daily breakfast, however you want to, and you try to change your dinner, give yourself more flexibility. Yeah. There. Yeah. So it's, you know, for people listening, it's okay wherever you are in this journey. If the thought of eating ice cream or having ice cream in the house feels extremely scary and extremely off limits, this is not us saying go buy five gallons of ice cream during quarantine and put it in your freezer and see what happens, but just becoming curious to why that feels so scary, I think is the first step um, before truly testing out the bow and arrow mentality. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> That's my favorite. Nice. I use it too, and I always call the arrow a bow. I don't know why. I do the same thing. Yeah, I, I like when I talk why. about it, I'm like, it's confusing. 
but, or a pendulum swinging, you know, like pulling back a pendulum and then you let go and it flies the other direction. So it's, that's, I think the hardest part, because when people think about not being on a diet, they picture the binge stage because that is the number one indicator of like coming off of a diet is the binge. So they think I'd be out of control. Yeah. The message that we get so often is that everybody's on a diet, right? Mm -hmm. Here's diets for you to do. Here's the latest cool diet, the new book about a diet. And it's like, that's the, the common thing that you get from the universe is that like, Oh, I, I need to be on a diet. I need to be a part of it. Like a cult. if not, I'm not paleo and I'm not whole, it's like categorizing yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, it sounds like a religion. Yeah. 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 I'm like part of that group. And so it just kind of seemed strange to not be on a, a specific kind of eating plan. It's, it's your eating plan and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I, like, honestly, I, first of all, just have to thank you again for just sharing everything that you've been sharing. And if you're comfortable, there's one other like main piece that you talk about a lot in both of these articles, just about like the mental health piece mm-hmm. of yeah. your recovery and like the way that you approached like taking care of your mind while you were taking care of your body. And I think you mentioned therapy or whatever the different phases of that was, would you touch on just like the importance of that in your recovery a little bit? So vital because my hormones were so thrown off the board, um, by how small I was. Um, I, my mental health was all wacky too. I was depressed. I couldn't sleep, but I needed to sleep all the time because I had zero energy. So I was on a bunch of um, medications prescribed by my psychiatrist while I was going through therapy to try to just like get on a more even keel because I was just snippy and nasty and negative all the time, right? Hungry. And- <laughs> I was hungry. So hungry. But anybody who knows me now, it's just like very rare that I'm not just like chipper and like, let's go do the things. Always Um, smiling. Always. (laughs) Excited about life. And that's what the, I mean, it was a a huge reminder of that when I was in the down and out phase, you know, like the joys feel richer and brighter when you've experienced the bad parts, you know? And so I, I went to a psychiatrist for probably three or four years. Um, kind of working through some like limiting beliefs that I had. And mainly the the biggest thing was finding some things to live for, mm. kind of like figuring out who I was so that um, I would have some, some reasons to be well, you know, because like when you're in that headspace, you're like, well, like, what does it matter? You know? And once I started setting goals for myself and like writing a bucket list and coming up with some things that like, these are the things that I believe. This is like my core belief system. This is who I am. This is what I want to accomplish with my life. Um, Then you start kind of digging yourself out and like looking forward to your day so that now, like when I wake up in the morning, I like jump out of bed and I'm excited to take part in my day rather than like, uh, crawling towards my pillow at night. You know, so I think um, mental health is a huge, huge aspect. And it's, it's not really, I don't think we know whether one thing causes the other, right? Like some sort of a, a mental struggle causes an eating disorder or vice versa. But I think they're often inter in, in the same web, right? Like mm-hmm. there's some sort of underlying mental thing that, that relates to an eating disorder. And um, often 
you need to focus on like what's going on in your brain before you even tackle anything in your body. So doing both at once was super helpful for me. So I recommend any sort of counseling, therapy, life coaching, whatever gets you to talk to someone that can give you some sort of in objective perspective and ask you questions about like, oh, well, why are you feeling that way? With no skin in the game, it's so helpful to just kind of like take a 10,000 foot view of like the way that you're spending your time and the thoughts that you have about yourself. Um, because oftentimes like we don't see clearly, like we're our worst critics, right? Mm -hmm. It's nice to talk things out and um, come up with different strategies of how to deal with things when they come up, challenges and better ways to handle them. Well, I, for one, am very, very grateful for your recovery because you've personally impacted my life in so many ways. And I know you're going to impact so many that are listening. Um, and it's just, it's a beautiful way to really pull that all together. The importance of the mind body connection. That was like so incredible. Cause I can't even picture you that way. Cause I've only met you in real life once, but like you were traveling to celebrate somebody else. And like, you were so beautifully telling me these stories about like the things that you love to do that involve like lifting other people up and like supporting other people and being there for people. And like, it's just, to hear like the way that you've turned this all around and how you're positively impacting others now with your story is just so beautiful. So again, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I can't stop smiling. <laughs> you know, some days, um, I change much fewer lives than, than others. You know, some days I'm like this morning I wrote about why the reason for the TP shortage might be different than than originally thought. So, you know, some days are kind of fluffy or just kind of silly. Um, but I do feel like being open about our struggles is um, so helpful for other people in ways that we don't even realize. Like I don't get feedback about a slideshow of Easter bread recipes that I write. <laughs> Although it's helpful to someone, um, you know, somebody's going to find some inspiration in that and I'm not spreading any like diet thoughts or other things that I don't believe in. Um, the stuff that I get feedback is about the personal stories that I write. Um, the more vulnerable things like, oh, I went through that too and I feel less alone because now I know it's not just me. And I think that like if we viewed the world like that of just being like, Hey, I'm not perfect. Like I've got to sit on my face or I'm really struggling with that or whatever. Then you seem like a real human rather than a robot. Mm -hmm. and, um, we all know that like, we're not in this alone. Like now more than ever, we need to remember that. I feel like that was our nutrition tipsy. We always ask, <laughs> we always ask at the end of our episodes, we ask our guests, like, give us that one tipsy, um, the big takeaway. And I feel like I mean, feel free to add on anything you want, but I feel like that's such a huge message is like vulnerability is one of um, the most courageous characteristics to have. It's one of, you know, I feel like that shows how strong someone is and being able to say like, yeah, you are not struggling. Your struggle is valid and, and you are not alone. Yeah, there is. So the, one of the things that really helped me kind of put that in that concept into practice and into words was 
I have a friend who's like a life coach and she was telling me about this goddess. I can't remember what religion or culture she comes from, but there's like a statue of her that's a very vivid image in my mind where she's sitting cross-legged and she's naked and she has like her thumbs on her knees, you know, like you're mm-hmm. sitting in like a, a yoga pose and she has cracks like all across like her midsection, but there's like so much bright light shining out from those cracks. And the, the idea behind it is that like, when you let your, your light shine out, like you, you show your cracks, you like crack that skin. And I need this image. <laughs> so I can picture it, what you're saying. Out, right? Like the light shines out when you let people in. And so that's kind of like the, the mindset that I like to approach my columns and my stories is that like, just be, be yourself, let yourself out, let be a little less perfect than you were in the past. And, um, other people might find light in that too. I need to find that image and make that my background. (laughs) It's so powerful. Before we let people know where to find you, I'm going to read the last sentence of your shape article, because I think it really drives this entire episode home. Um, Carla writes here, and we will link this article for you guys to read as well, but she writes, life is far too short to waste a decade or a lifetime stressing about air quotes. Is that steamed or fried plus a spoonful of meltingly creamy full fat brie is far too delicious to pass up um that really just like wraps all of that up i think like so perfectly that again sharing your struggles and being vulnerable is so beautiful and the lessons that came out of your journey are going to inspire so many people um so tell everybody where they can find you and stalk you and read all of your magic You are so sweet, Jenna. (laughs) I am on Instagram. I haven't hopped on like the TikTok train quite like Jenna has. Join me. Join me. (laughs) I'm on Instagram right now. Um, It's Carla with a K. S as in Sam is my middle initial because some other Carla Walsh got straight up Carla Walsh. So it's Carla (laughs) Walsh um, on Instagram. And then my website is just CarlaWalsh.com. I need to be better about updating that with more stories because I'm writing about like two or three a day. Um, but it gets a little overwhelming. So find me on Instagram, friend me on Facebook, find me on the web, anywhere I'm around. And all of my work with Carla is up on yes. my website. Yeah, <laughs> a better like link list of my stories than anybody yes. else probably. Literally, I'm looking at it right now. It's all Carla. Um, and I love it so much. It makes me so happy. Um, but Sam, anything to say before we wrap this up? No, just like you said, thank you for showing us your cracks and letting your light shine. You guys are so sweet. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. We love you. Thank you so much for being here. Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. 
We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.